Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to the vineyard. Uh, it, it is so good to be here this morning. We wasted no time this morning. We jumped right into the presence of God. Uh, if I haven't met you, I'm Jason Smith. I'm an associate pastor here, and my primary responsibility is to families, family ministry, yeah. <laughs> I like it. More? No, okay. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you, so say hi to me. Um, if this is your first time here, we are so honored that you've joined us for worship. We have a gift for you. It's got... Uh, some some basic information in it and a vineyard worship CD. We would love to give that to you. If you want to, you can go straight to the kiosk, the Welcome Center, out in the atrium, or you can fill out a Connect card. Actually, if you're new, we would love it if you'd fill out a Connect card, let us know a little about you. You can either take that to the kiosk or put it in the offering, okay? It's just a way for us to say thanks for coming and to get to know you a little bit. We'll be receiving the offering later in the service. You can prepare for that by writing a check. You make it out to Vineyard Northwest. You can use our app to give or um, cash. You can always give cash. And um, there's a couple things to highlight that are coming up. Um, this week, we're starting our, our new membership class. It's called Hyperdrive. We've condensed some things. It's two weeks long. So it'll be here Wednesday night. Um, what time is that? 6.30. We'll be having Hyperdrive. And we'd love it. If you've never taken the membership class or you're thinking about uh, becoming a permanent part of our church or uh, you just want to hang out with Van, the senior pastor, you can come to Hyperdrive. Um, you can sign up for that either with a connect card today or you can sign up on our website or use the app to sign up. We'd love to know you're coming. We're also on Tuesday, January 30th at 6.30. We're starting Financial Peace University. Yep. So you can tell some people around here have taken it. I think anybody who's gone through that class, it's transformative. Just thinking about how do I uh, use money for the glory of God? How do I save money? How do I get out of debt? How can I just be radically generous? Those are all things you'll touch on in financial peace. There are some resources you need for that class. So if you want to sign up, uh, Tim Thielen, who's running the class, will get in touch with you and let you know what you need to do. Sign up the same way on a Connect card, on our website, on the app. <clears throat> the last thing is uh, Prophetic 1 and Prophetic 2 are starting up. Um, same, same night, January 30th. And, uh, this is just an 11 week course. How do I hear God's voice? Uh, how do I hear God's voice for my own life? How do I hear it for other people? We'd love you for you to join that class. It's, it's really just a discipleship class. Like how do I love Jesus? <laughs> Period. That's it. And walk with him. Um, and we believe here, like part of that is hearing his voice very clearly. So we'd love it if you'd join that. Same thing, sign up um, and, and get, out, get your information to us. So uh, if you have any questions, there should be some more information in your program. Or you can use the app to find out what's going on around here. So now I'd like to invite our senior pastor, Van Cochran, up. He will be giving the sermon today.
Thanks, Jason. Thanks for the warm welcome, everyone. We're going to talk about baptism today, okay? And um, I don't know about you, but uh, well, you might be here. You hear that term baptism, and you think, okay, another religious term, and you really don't know how to put any definition around it at all. And, and that's okay. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to put some definition around it by, by the end of this message. But um, for others, you might look at baptism and think, yeah, that was a high point in my life. I remember being baptized, or I remember having you know, my child baptized or whatever, and you know, how much it meant to you and, how, and how, how it blessed you. But I think there's also this uh, whole issue of confusion over baptism because there are so many different things taught in the church about baptism. And we're going to share a few of those, but I'm going to pray right now, okay? So let's pray. And um, Father... Wow, Lord, we're thankful to be in your presence here. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We, we, we uh, present our hearts and our minds and our spirits, our bodies, our whole being to you, our will. We want you to shape us and mold us into what you want us to be. Make us more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are those that um, baptize by sprinkling, and some sprinkle infants, some sprinkle infants and adults. There are those uh, like Methodists and uh, Presbyterians would, would lean that direction of sprinkling. There are others that uh, Catholics would, would sprinkle uh, infants. There are others that um, baptize by pouring, effusion, and, and some will even have you kneel down in a pool of water. And so there's water up to your waist and then pour water over your head. And, and that's, that's their, their take on baptism. Then there are those like us who immerse and put the person entirely under the water. Now, among that group, you have some who will have you stand and you go backwards. Others that will have you kneel and you go frontwards once. Some will have you kneel and you go to the front three times, once for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so there is some confusion around the whole thing as to you know, what's right, what's not right. I'm going to tell you how we baptize here today and, and try to give you insight into insights that God's given to us, but not with the attitude that we're right and everybody else is wrong, Okay. Because I have, I have some godly, good friends who love the Bible, love Jesus, and they sprinkle people. And we don't. We immerse. So we're not coming at this as if we have, um, you know, the, the, the corner on truth. But, you know, um, like I grew up in a little Baptist church where immersion was practiced. Uh, my mother now attends a Methodist church where sprinkling is practiced. So um, that actually reminds me of a joke. So there was this boy whose father was a Baptist pastor, and he finally came to the point in his life where he was old enough that when he watched the baptism service, he understood what was happening. And so the next day, he decided to baptize all the house pets. And so the kitten was pretty easy. The kitten put a little resistance, but he was able to get the kitten all the way under the water. The mother cat put up a fight, but he was a big enough kid that he got it dunked also. But then they had this old tomcat, 
And uh, he dragged the tomcat into the house and filled the bathtub up. And that tomcat fought and bit and scratched and hissed and jumped out, ran away, got out the back door. He ran out into the neighborhood, caught it, brought it back to the house, tries to push it under the water again. And the cat's just fighting horribly and get, scratches him and runs away. And the boy stood up and looked at him and said, well, okay, be a Methodist if you want to. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not, just the, it's not just the form, but it's the meaning of baptism that's significant too. And there are, group, there are church groups and, and historical groups that have uh, believed that baptism was actually the moment of salvation. And that if you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven. I had a friend once that told me he was debating someone who believed that. And he, his, in the debate, he came down to this. He said, all right, what if someone wants to be baptized and they, they believe in Jesus and they made their way up the steps to the baptistry and right at the top step, they die of a heart attack and they didn't get baptized. Would they go to heaven or not? And uh, he said the person responded, it depends on which direction they fell. <laughs> he claimed that was true. I th- it sounds a little funny to me. Sounds more like a joke he read in Reader's Digest and then he took on as his own. But there are people that believe if you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven. That somehow there's this grace that's imparted to you in the physical act of baptism that, uh, that makes you a Christian. And then probably on the other end of the spectrum, there are those that believe baptism is, is really more something like an initiation ritual. And that like they were trying to figure out, well, we need to have something. We need to have a secret handshake or we need to have a a certain T-shirt everybody wears once they accept Jesus. And they're trying to figure this all out. And they all settled on baptism as the initiation thing that identifies. Um, Now, where I come down on this is somewhere in between the two. Uh, I don't think baptism is a means of, of this impartation of grace that saves you. Uh, and the Bible says that it's, uh, that it's by grace we're saved. It's, it's not by works. It's by grace that we're saved. And if that was the case, then there would be something physically we're doing to, to gain salvation and it would be a work. But at the same time, I believe it is more than just an initiation rite. I think it's more than just, you know, the first step in. And so what, what, I've, what I've come to is this, that baptism is a prophetic act. Now, that was the title of the message today, Baptism, a Prophetic Act. Let me explain that to you. Anytime a person comes to faith in Jesus, real faith in Jesus, where I open my heart to Christ, I get saved, born again, I've received Christ, however you want to put it. When I, when, when, when I come into relation, real relationship with him, I am changed inside. I am made new inside. And prior to that, I I could not understand or really clearly see the spiritual realm. But the Bible says that when we're born again, then we can see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. So if you are, that's an inner heart thing where the spiritual eyes are opened and you you can see the kingdom of God. You can relate to God. You can understand things about God. You can hear God's voice. We have freedom to come to God with boldness in prayer and to experience his life and his power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
that connection with the, the whole heaven realm, with the, the kingdom of God, being placed in the kingdom of God, and then experiencing the kingdom of God. I'm, the, the Bible uses a term prophetic, which I use to describe that whole growth in my ability to understand and connect with God. That's prophetic. And so when I say this is a prophetic act, we're talking about an outward act of obedience that God calls us to that has more than simply a symbolic effect and meaning, that there's a deeper meaning to it because it's something God told us to do and and that it does have some spiritual impact in my life. Let me illustrate that from the Old Testament. There's a story in 2 Kings 13, and I'm not going to put this up on the screen. By the way, I feel like we've kind of um, maybe overdone putting verses up on the, the um, you know, up, up for everyone to read on the, on the screen behind me because, oh, I do read my Bible, believe me. <laughs> I don't know how those two pages got stuck together. <clears throat> they were open first service, okay? Something happened. I mean, there, there is a, a real value to us all connecting with the Bible in a real way. And uh, if, you know, putting the stuff on the screen is helpful sometimes, but I think it could also cause us to, to diminish our own value for, you know, I need to read the Bible. I mean, how many of you have the Bible on an electronic device? Okay. How many of you actually brought a Bible today? Okay. Sprinkling of you too. I, I, boy, I'd love, it wouldn't be great if we all brought a Bible just a physical Bible, but I read on my electronic Bible every day. So don't take, don't take that as me saying that that's not good. So, um, I'm going to read this passage to you. It is second Kings 13 verses 15 to 19 and look it up with me. Would you please get out your, your thing or whatever. And, uh, here's the setup for this. Elisha is the prophet of God in Israel. He's about to die. He has been the voice of God to this nation for years. They have trouble. They go to Elisha. He tells them what God wants them to do. They do it and things go well. Now Elisha's dying and the king Jehoash is, is freaking out. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen next and he's worried. So he comes to Elisha and he expresses that fear to Elisha. And here's what Elisha, here's how Elisha responds to him. Starting in verse 15, Elisha said, Get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. That's a symbol. That's just symbolic of God's presence, just like we lay hands on people. Uh, and and, you, and you're, actually, it's, it's more than symbolic. There is a release of anointing. There is a release of presence. And so the king does that. And then he says, open the east window, he said. And he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. And then Elisha makes this prophetic statement. He said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared. And then he says, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them, a bundle of arrows. And Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. Now, Elisha didn't tell him how many times to strike the ground because he's giving Jehoash an opportunity to reveal what's in his heart. 
And that's one of the things the prophetic acts have a tendency to do. And so it says that Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And Aram was an enemy nation that was constantly at war with Israel and trying to subjugate them and, and take them over. So what we hear, see here is Jehoash did see his need for God. He saw that need. He came, he came to Elisha. Elisha gave him some instructions on what to do. And the instructions he gave him were prophetic acts. It was something in the natural realm that reflects and opens up what's going to happen in the spiritual realm. That's a prophetic act. Something that God tells us to do that's in the natural realm that reflects and opens up what God intends to have happen in the spiritual realm. And so the first thing was the shot of the arrow. And Elisha lays hands on, on uh, Jehoash. He shoots the arrow, victory. And now comes the part where he says, strike the ground. And what happened was that the level of Jehoash's expectation in God was revealed. Because the passion with which we engage with a prophetic act is, is, is directly related to the level of expectation that we have in the goodness of God. And so he's looking for something from God, but he just, okay, whatever I have to do, bang, bang, bang. It, it, there's, there, there's, while, while he's looking for something from God, there's apparently not this hunger and passion in his heart for God that says, God, not only do we need you so we don't become... Uh, you know, the victims of this neighboring nation, but I need you. I want you. And so he says, why didn't you pound the ground five or six times or eight or 10 or, or 10 or 12 times? Why didn't you do that? See, this was a prophetic act. And, and so it revealed what was in his heart, but it also reflected and opened up what God wanted to have happen uh, in the spiritual realm. So with that as a background, we're going to look at baptism from a couple different angles today. But I just want to say, uh, I've come to believe baptism is a prophetic act. It is more than a symbol. It is more than an initiation. It is a prophetic act. And so let's look at background, the background of baptism. Uh, baptism, uh, historically, was part of the culture. The disciples and Jesus did not make it up. It was just a part of the culture that they uh, that they they lived in, and the word baptizo means to immerse, and it, and it can mean to dip something repeatedly, or it can mean to submerge in in a like tanners use this to uh, to soften leather, where they would dip the leather and then they leave it in this in this fluid overnight so it could impregnate and penetrate into the leather and soften the leather. And so the word itself just means to dip. But in the culture, it became uh, a symbolic act of a change of life. And so if, if you're, whether you're a believer or not, you didn't have to be a Jew for this to apply to you even. But if, if you were having a big change of life that was happening, you're entering into this new era of life, baptism could be the thing you would use to symbolize that you're entering something totally new. 
Now, what Jesus and the uh, what what Jesus did was to infuse it with this new meaning when when he came. We're going to see how as we move through this. But biblically, the first place we see baptism as we know it today in uh, the Bible is in the New Testament with John the Baptist. And while there were uh, rituals in the Old Testament temple worship that involved washing and washing with water as a symbol of cleansing, there was nothing that would be the equivalent of baptism today. So John the Baptist comes on the scene. He is the last of the Old Testament prophets, like Elisha. And the Old Testament prophets, they lived in a time when they were the main spokesman for God. Now today, now that Jesus has come, died on the cross, rose from the dead, went back to heaven, because of his resurrection, when we become believers today, we're changed in our hearts. As I said, we become new in here, and we can all hear God speak. We can all relate to God in a personal, direct way. We we, we, we all have that ability. Nevertheless, we still have people who are particularly gifted as prophets. It's just like we can all evangelize, but we also have evangelists in our midst who help us to evangelize better. We can all teach, but we have teachers in our midst who help us learn how to teach better. We all, we all can show mercy and compassion, but we have people gifted in those areas that help us all do it better. Today, we all can connect with God in this way, but at this time... John the Baptist, it's before Jesus rose from the dead. So uh, John the Baptist is the man of God for the hour. He's the guy that has God's word for, for the community, for the nation. And he comes telling them it's time to repent because the Messiah is actually already here and he's going to be revealed real soon. And so get your minds ready. Get your heads ready. Get, get ready in your thinking to receive the Messiah. And in effect, what he's saying is you're, all, you're also immersed in life. And, in, and you're also immersed in this idea that someday Messiah is coming, but someday is so far off that you're not living in the reality of that. And so he's saying, hey, you've got to change. You've got to get your head out of, out of just tunnel vision on what's right in front of you. You've got to get your head turned a different direction so that you are now looking with expectation for the immediate coming of the Messiah. That's what repentance was. And so he says, in order to indicate that, be baptized. And so he's baptizing people everywhere. Here's what John said about baptism in Luke three sixteen. There are a couple of verses I'm going to put up here today because I really want you to see those, but uh, you can also look them up yourself. Luke three sixteen. John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John predicts Jesus coming and there's going to be a new type of baptism. Not, it's going to be Holy Spirit fire. Holy Spirit and fire coming on people. And uh, but I want you to see this. This very first time John mentions baptism, the Holy Spirit is mentioned as well. And so many times in the New Testament when uh, baptism is mentioned, not every time, but so many times, there is this connection with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts 2.38, uh, Peter said, uh, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So baptism over and over again is associated very closely with the Holy Spirit's blessing uh, in our lives. Now, um, Jesus was the one he was talking to. 
And so the next thing that happens is Jesus comes to John to be baptized. John's blown away by that. He recognizes Jesus is the Messiah. He recognizes he's just an ordinary guy with, with some gifting. And he says, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me to be baptized. And they have this discussion. And Jesus convinces him that it's the right thing for John to baptize him. So Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized primarily to indicate he was entering into his public ministry. This is the beginning of his three-year public ministry. And so it's indicating that. Now, I think there could have been a prophetic element involved in it also because ultimately Jesus is going to identify with our sins on the cross. And when he hangs on the cross, our sins are going to be put on him. And so prophetically, he could be identifying with other people who needed to be baptized because they did have sin they were repenting of, they were turning from. But the primary here is Jesus is baptized in order to indicate, you know, I'm I'm no longer Jesus, son of Joseph, the carpenter. I am now Jesus, Messiah. Now, he was Jesus, Messiah prior to that, but in In the way he is interacting with the world from this point on, he presses into this ministry of revealing himself as the Messiah. Here's what I want want to read. I want want you to see this. So Matthew 3, 16 and 17 are going to come up. We're going to put these on the screen again while we're all getting used to bringing our Bibles. I'll put a few of them up. Here it says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, look at this. It says, When he came, he went up out of the water. There are different uh, Greek prepositions that can be used to indicate up or out or and the preposition that is used here in its simplest form would indicate that Jesus came up out of the water, not up away from the water. There's another preposition that would be used if it wanted to indicate that Jesus was baptized by standing in the water, as some of the shows will put it. And then, and then John poured water over his head and then Jesus came away from the water. But this word means out of. And so I pictured Jesus is under the water, whether he's backwards, forwards three times, sideways, I don't know, but he's, he's coming up out of the water and the water's splashing off of him. And at that moment in time, it says heaven opened. Isn't that sweet? Heaven opened. And this is one of those places where baptism at the very least is associated with this whole idea of, of heaven opening up and pouring up blessing. Heaven opens. And the Holy Spirit lights on him. It comes down on him like a dove. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit looked like a dove. What it means is the Holy Spirit was in a physical form and he moved like a dove. With the gentleness and grace of a dove, the Holy Spirit just comes right down and lands on Jesus. And at that same time, God the Father speaks these words and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well Please, what, what a powerful, powerful moment. How could we ever deny that that was not a, a prophetic moment in Jesus' life? And so what we see then is um, the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus at that moment. As we saw the Holy Spirit associated earlier with what John predicted. 
Now, when Lori and I were in Israel in 1994, we, we were at the Jordan River and uh, people were being baptized and a lady asked me to baptize her. And uh, I baptized her, not someone from my church. We went with a group of, um, at that time, we were just leaving fundamentalism where we did not believe in the gifts of the spirit. And we actually went to Israel on a trip with a bunch of charismatics, which was really a stretch for us at that time. (laughs) We're thinking, yeah, we'd love to go to Israel, but with this crazy group, we're not so sure. Uh, It would seem tame to me now. But, uh, you know, one of the things we discovered was charismatics read the Bible. We never knew that. Back when we were, when we were in that, that other segment of the church, I just thought, well, if you believe the gift of tongues is still alive, you just don't read the Bible. You know? But at any rate, um, this lady came up out of the water and she came up shaking and blubbering something and, and, um, and just ecstatic in a, in a state of ecstasy. And later she told me, she said, that was the most powerful anointing with the Holy Spirit and touch from God I have ever had in my life. Okay, so that was really cool. And, and it encouraged my heart that, that, that I got to baptize her. She experienced God in that way. But um, it, it was something like what Jesus experienced here, I think. Now, that doesn't mean that every time a person is baptized that that's going to happen. Uh, but I do. as we move on, I'm going to say this. I believe that every time we're baptized with expectation... And we recognize this is a prophetic act. The Holy Spirit is involved in this. Something's going to happen. It might not be, it might not be felt. It might be simply that I, I do and I, I walk away and I begin to have these new insights into who God is and what the kingdom and, and life. And it, it may be that I find myself having just greater victory in some area of my life. But um, it's not because of the water. It's not because of the ritual. It's because God said, do this, and, and I did it with expectation. It's like beating the ground with the arrows. When uh, Jehoash did that, if he, had beaten, if he had hit the ground 12 times, he wouldn't have experienced the immediate effect of that, but he would have the next time they went to war. And so this whole idea of a prophetic act, it releases things to us and it shows us new things. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, and uh, he has, he's died on the cross for our sins. He's risen from the dead. He's just about ready to ascend back to heaven to the Father, and here's what he gave to his disciples and to us today as our marching orders. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he says here, as you're going and you're making disciples, part of the deal is baptize them. The command was given to the church. Now there's another place in Acts where we're going to see there was a command given to individuals, but the command was given to the church to baptize. One of the things this means is baptism needs to be a public event. It doesn't have to happen in a church building, in a church baptismal pool. It can happen in a lake, a river, a bathtub, but it needs to be a public event because it's the church going out and evangelizing. And, and, and when a person receives Christ, this is 
the thing that uh, Jesus told us we are to do. Now, by inference, um, if I'm a believer and I've never been baptized, then I can look at that and I can say, well, wait a second. Uh, you know, I, I need to be baptized because that's what the church is supposed to do is to baptize. Now, let's move on here. What does baptism mean to us today? I want to ask a few questions about this. First of all, it is a clear statement that I am a follower of Jesus. It is that. Uh, because everybody follows somebody. You know that? Everybody follows somebody. You might follow uh, the, the list of values that you're reared with. And so you're following uh, you know, your parent or some significant school teacher in your life. Some people follow Oprah. Some people today follow Ellen or Jimmy Fallon. And, and on and on and on the list can go. But when a person is baptized as this prophetic act, what they are saying is, I follow Jesus. Some might follow Muhammad. Some might follow, um, some might follow Krishna or Buddha. I follow Jesus. I am a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. So it is that statement. It is a statement. And all of these are infused with prophetic uh, life. Second thing is, it's a sign of my forgiveness and inner cleansing. Uh, Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. And this washing away our sins is a picture of what baptism pictures. It, partly it pictures the sins being washed away. And notice again the mention of the Holy Spirit associated with this. Third thing, it's a picture of a deeper work in my life. It's not just forgiveness and I get to go to heaven when I die because I've received Jesus. But there's a deeper work that God changes us when we receive Christ. And so it, we read this in Romans 6, 4. It says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Now, it will be debated whether that baptism refers to physical baptism or to Holy Spirit baptism. Either way, it makes no difference. It is a reference to baptism. And, and he says, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory, uh, glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so baptism, when I go under that water, it symbols me being buried with Christ. When I come out of the water, it's, it's, it's a prophetic picture of me being raised to new life through Christ. In the Greek New Testament, there are different words that can mean new. Um, there, you, you could say, you, maybe you just bought a, a 2002 Camry. And you can say, hey, I got a new car. Well, you got a car that was new to you, but it's really a 15-year-old car. Okay, so that's one way new. There's another way to look at new. And the word that is used here in this, in this verse is new in the sense of fresh, unused, unspoiled. And so it's not like, hey, I got a new car. It's, you know, it's really an old car, but it's new to me. This is saying new life in the sense of new, fresh, unused, unspoiled life. Totally new. We become totally new when we receive Christ. And when a person is baptized, it's a prophetic picture of that splat under the water, back out totally new. It's a prophetic picture of what happened at the moment of salvation. And then finally, um, it's, it's a sign of my new access to the kingdom of God. John 3, 3, Jesus said, I assure you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And so what's it look like? Well, in Acts 10, uh, Peter was commanded by God to go to the house of a man named Cornelius. This man was a Gentile. And up until this time, um, the, the disciples were still living under the, uh, the Jewish thinking that they shouldn't have anything to do with Gentiles. And by a Gentile, that means a non-Jew. Okay, the Jewish people had thought, well, we're the people of God. We're blessed by God. They're not, so we got to stay away from them. They had forgotten the fact that Jesus wanted to bless them so they could bless the rest of the world. That's what God said to Abraham. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and your posterity so you can bless the whole world. They'd forgotten that. And so Peter, Peter resists, says, no, I can't go to his house. God's telling him, Peter, go to Cornelius' house. And Peter said, no, Lord, I can't do that because you don't allow me to do that because they're Gentiles. And I'm not supposed to have anything to do with them. But eventually Peter gives in and he goes and he's preaching to them. And as he's preaching, here's what happens in verse 44, Acts 10, 44 to 48 says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who had heard the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles too. And there could be no doubt about it. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, just like they, the, the, the apostles and others had on the day of Pentecost earlier. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that, now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It means he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's another translation. And so what we see here is, Holy Spirit came on, they were saved first. Obviously, they were saved, the Holy Spirit came on them. They're born again, saved, transformed. On the basis of that, they're going to be baptized now. But notice just the connection between the Holy Spirit and and, and baptism. And um, and, and I'm I'm just uh, blown away by that as we look through all of these passages. But there's finally one passage I want to look at. And it's this in Acts 8, 37 to 39. Acts 8, 37 to 39. Here we have a guy named Philip who was told by God to leave Samaria and go down to this desert road. And so he does. He travels there. And as he's there, this caravan comes along of royal officials from Ethiopia. And uh, Philip runs up to the, to the uh, chariot and he's invited in by this high-ranking official and says this, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, when it says the spirit of the Lord caught him away, he was transported. You know, long before Star Trek, God just dematerialized his atoms and took them somewhere else. I don't know how that happened, but it would be like this. If Philip was standing here a minute ago, then being he's gone, I'd be standing here with my arm around his, where his shoulders used to be. He was gone. God took him to another place. But the point I really want to make here is the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Went on his way rejoicing. And we believe baptism is a cause for joy. And it's a cause for celebration. And so that's how we do it. We worship. We have the whole worship band playing. And we have the screen 
we have a camera here with so you can see the people that are actually being baptized. We bring the kids out so they can be part of it. And this is like a big party, okay? We're going to do this next week when we, when we actually have our baptism service. But um, the way we baptize here is uh, we baptize people who are old enough to make a knowledgeable decision of being a Christ follower. That's just the way we think we're supposed to do it. We think it it's, flows best with what we see here. And uh, our method is immersion. Uh, we don't go three times forward. We just go one time backwards. But if someone had some reason that they wanted to go forward, we'd have no problem with that. We'd let them kneel and we'd baptize them forward. So that would be fine too. But uh, the, the main point is we believe immersion represents that death to the old life and the, the prophetic picture of coming back a new person. And when, when, we, um, when we think of this, some of us might be thinking, well, I was baptized as a baby. What about that? And um, as I said, I have friends that, that believe that's the right way. And so there's no judgment coming from us at all on this. But if, if, I, if I was baptized as an infant, but now I'm hearing this message and I'm thinking, whoa, you know, I want to do this as an adult. I want to make my own declaration. And this is a prophetic act. I've received Jesus. I want to, I want, I want to be involved in this. Don't look at it as denying what your parents did. But thank God that they cared about you. They cared about your spiritual welfare. And they did what, you know, what they were taught to do, to bless you and your spiritual welfare. Thank God for that. And then look at being baptized as an adult now as a fulfillment of their desires. Not a cancellation of it, but a fulfillment of their heart and desires. Yeah. So, expectation, uh, come with expectation. We immerse uh, because we, 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 don't, we don't want to pound the ground three times with the arrows partly. Mainly it's because we believe it, it best illustrates what's being taught and what's being illustrated and what we actually see in the Bible. But as well, it's a radical thing. And some of us have, have held back because it's radical. Some of us have held back thinking, well, someone told me to do this. I'm not going to do it just because someone told me to. Or well, I'm going to wait till God tells me to. Well, look, God already told you to. He said to the church, when people believe, baptize them. And Peter, he didn't, he didn't say, all right, all of those of you in Cornelius' house who feel like you're ready to be baptized, raise your hand. No, he commanded, all right, all of you, you accepted Jesus, line up. We're, we're going we're gonna to baptize you right now. It's going to be a celebration. It's going to be joyful. and It's going to be incredibly powerful. I believe that as a prophetic act, it releases us into deeper experience of the kingdom and deeper experience of God's work and presence in our lives, not because of the water or because of the ritual, but because of the expectation in our hearts and the desire to obey God, whatever he tells us to do, and particularly in, in an act such as this. So we're going to receive our offering right now, okay? And I'm going to pray right now for that and for the conclusion of this message. But Father God, uh, please bring our hearts to you. For um, any that are, we're just wondering, new thoughts have been given today. We just pray for clarity and peace, your joy. And Holy Spirit, uh, we welcome you to be so powerfully present with us as we worship today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the baskets are on the far left. 
Um, if, if you happen to be in a row and you're the only person there um, and you're on the far right, we apologize to you for that. The baskets are in, just pick that basket up and pass it down the row, please. And then the ushers will go along and, and, and pick them up. We'll give a, a financial report here, kind of like in a sense of a family talk in a few weeks. But I do want to say this. This has been the best year of giving we've ever had as a church. And that's really awesome. Yeah. It, it enables us to do a lot of things that we couldn't do otherwise. So let's worship. Awesome. Feel free to come down to the front if you'd like to, but please stand. And we're going to worship. This is amazing. that uh, um, some here today might be experiencing something in this room that you realize is more than human excitement. I mean, we're excited, but it's more than that, okay? There's the presence of God just filling the room today. And, yeah. What I want to say is this. That if you're here and you're experiencing that for the first time, then just thank God for it. If you already know Jesus, then then just thank him for it. Say, I want more. But if you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, you've never said yes to him, then what he's doing today is he's touching your life. He's, he's knocking at the door of your heart. And he's saying, hey, hey, let me in. I want to know you. I want to have an intimate, close relationship with you. And so I'm going to lead in a prayer right now. And if you have never, if you've never pointedly said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I need you in my life. Come into my life. Make me new. Make me what you want me to be. Then pray this with me and something supernatural is going to happen in your life. So let's all close our eyes. And and Father God, just pray this with me. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Just say that to say that to him. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you rose from the dead. And I need you in my life. I open my heart to you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Cleanse me. Make me new. And I'll worship you and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I just want to know, did anybody pray that prayer for the very first time? If you did, just raise your hand, okay? Raise it up by there. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. 
Okay, back here too, back here too. Okay, awesome, awesome. Great. Over here, awesome, great. That's really cool. Right back here, a couple people back here. Awesome, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. Those around Saul who raised their hands, if you've been around here for a while, talk to them right now and congratulate them and and uh, bring them up here so we can give them a Bible. Over on this side, we'll give you a Bible and get you started in some Bible reading. And I also want to encourage you, think about getting baptized next week. Man, it's going to be an exciting time. Um, and in fact, I'm going to say this right now, that... Uh, Baptism classes are today at 1. We have a class just to help orient you to make sure you understand that you know what to do when you get here. Today at 1 o'clock, Tuesday at 6.30, okay? Either one of those. Come to one of those and bring the person that's baptizing you with you. You We don't have to be baptized by a pastor here. Now, I said that. I want to say this. Some of us are here and we've been struggling with fear. We've been struggling with depression, relationships, finances. You know, and you, you can't seem to get hold of God in these areas. There's a principle in the Bible that he who's faithful with little receives more. When, we're, when I'm faithful with what God's given me and I walk in and step into obedience in that, then it opens up more for me. And I want to propose that for some of us, it may be that, I've, that we've had cynical attitudes towards baptism. Or if we said, why do I need to do that? I don't understand it. And, and what God wants to do is just say, hey, I, Jesus says, I was baptized. I want you to be baptized. And, and so, it, I mean, that, that's, that's basic entry-level stuff. And if I haven't had the expectation of God's work through that, then it's probably blocking something else in my faith that keeps me from experiencing And I'm not saying that baptism is magic or that the water is, but I am saying that obedience... And obedience in, in a prophetic act like this can can really set you your life on a new course. And so I want to encourage you to um, come to one of these classes today at 1, this week, Tuesday at um, 6.30. And join us and be baptized next week, okay? It's going to be awesome. Micah. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Micah, as he said. I'm a pastor over the prophetic ministry here. And I just want to encourage you guys, but I just want to say, isn't Jesus beautiful? Isn't he? Yes, he really is. He really is. And I just, and I just want to to say that is what it's all about. Okay. Seeing the Lord and with our heart, the eyes of our heart, beholding him, the eyes of our heart, his beauty and telling him that he is beautiful. Okay, that is what launches us into prophetic ministry. Anything prophetic. I want to encourage you that everyone here is his friend. Okay? You are his friend. And friends know his voice. Okay? Friends know his voice. Friends know what the, what the heart of someone. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So this is what the prophetic class wants to train you in is we believe that everyone can hear his voice. So we want to help you discover that you don't have to be this super special person. Just be you. 
You are special. You are beautiful. You're his child. You came from the very palm of his hand. You are amazing. And you deserve to hear him. You deserve to hear your father. Yes, I said deserve. Okay. You deserve to hear your father. Okay, so I encourage you guys to, to, um, to register for the prophetic class. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be full of worship and just encountering the Lord. But I want to say this. As people were singing, as, as Jenna was just singing, oh, Jesus, you're beautiful. I began to, the Lord will open my eyes into the spirit realm. Okay. And I'll begin to see things in the spirit realm. What I saw was Jesus. Yes, Jesus comes to church. Okay. I saw Jesus standing here and his hands were out. And he was saying, I have overcome every battle, every temptation, every fear. I have overcome. And he was just glowing, glowing. And his presence and his light was just moving in you. See, all you get to do is look at him and everything you deal with just washes away. Good word. So I just want to encourage you guys. Anyway. Good work. Thank you, Lord. Good. Amen. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> All right, I want to say again, if, if you received Christ today, you prayed that prayer for the first time, come up over here. I want to pray for you personally. I'll have Micah, maybe Wilson will be down there too, and a few others. And we want to just pray for you and give you a Bible to read, okay? So, um, Five years ago, a man named Dan Hack gave me a prophetic word that said God's returning us to our, God's doing a new thing here, but it's not really new. He's just returning us to our roots. What we experienced this morning is the result of that word. And he gave me another word this morning. He said, as, as Micah shared um, when we were singing that song, Jesus, you're beautiful. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, um, you have no idea. And said, I'm going to reveal more and more of my beauty. And so I I speak that out for us to reach out and hold on to and just receive an expectation. All right, so prayer teams are coming down. We want to pray for you for any need you have. And um, so prayer teams, start making your way down here. And I'm going to pray right now. We're going to, and so, Father God, thank you that, that you call us to be radical. Thank you that you call us not just to tap the ground a couple of times, but to pound it and to, to be radical followers of Jesus. And I just pray that blessing of radical hearts to follow Jesus over this church body in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, come up for prayer. Don't forget about the baptism class. Next week's going to be awesome, so we'll see you then.